So every year, Japan chooses the kanji of the year. Kanji is the Chinese characters that they use when they write in Japanese. And they choose a word to symbolize the mood and the state of the nation, which sounds very nice. So you would want, you know, happy words, words that, you know, positivity and, and, and growth and going forward. This year, to represent the state of Japan, they chose tax. Uh, so the actual word is zei, but it's the kanji for tax, or I guess taxes. Uh, there's a ceremony. So no one knows what the word's going to be. There's a ceremony where this giant sheet of paper and this monk walks onto it with a giant brush and he writes the word really dramatically. And it's a big reveal. What actually led me to think that the guy, the monk, this isn't going to do it. I guess that's why they choose monks and stuff because they tend to be honest. I guess Also, they would know if you changed it. But my thought was like the monk could walk out and at the last minute just go, you know what? I'm not really a big fan of text. I'm not going to write text. And he just writes some other kanji, makes some other word for the year. And because it's on TV, probably live, there's, there's nothing they could do about it. They would just have to accept it, which would be kind of awesome. To take control of the spirit of a nation that way would be actually pretty cool to me. But he didn't do it, of course. Uh, there's a survey. There were 147,878 responses which is actually a lot of responses to vote for the kanji of the year. I don't know if it's just a general thing. I, I actually was going to look into it because uh, last week tonight with John Oliver, they are known for hijacking online things. This year they did the one where they had New Zealand had the bird of the century and they just you know basically jacked the whole contest so that the bird they chose would win, which is pretty cool actually. If they could do that for the kanji of the year, they could choose another more interesting, more amusing kanji. I assume, I'm wondering, again, I wonder how the rules are. Like, do they give you a list of kanji and you have to choose from it? Or do you just choose a kanji and enough people write in with the same kanji and they win? Because the 147,878 responses, only 5,976 said tax. If you said chung with beef chest, choose a word that would sum up the year. I don't think I would choose tax. It's not like I would choose a super positive one, but I wouldn't choose tax. So anyways, Zay got 5,976 votes. Hot, so Atsui, got 5,571 votes. War got 5,011 votes, which was actually the winner in 2022. Tiger got 4,674 votes. They think this is because the Hanshin Tigers, the baseball team, won the championship. And Victory got 4,653 votes. So Victory fell behind Tax, Hot, and War, and Tiger. So apparently there's 4,600 baseball fans who seem to vote. I bet they just vote for... I guess if you had had baseball fans, they would vote for the same team, their team, every single year. So you'd actually get the same amount of votes. You could actually see that. Uh, If that became a pattern, you could actually see that. So the monk said... I sense that Japan is a very tough situation. I moved the brush while feeling that the Japanese people are watching taxes. I, mean, I, I It is true. This is just, it's kind of a dismal message. And this is the last sort of one of these messages you send off at the end of the year. Sending things off at the end of the year, you kind of want to be more optimistic, more hopeful maybe. Uh I might actually manipulate this message a little bit so that people can get a little more out of it and get a little more happiness and follow it. 
I just, I'm, I think, I think we're all a little done. We had a coronavirus pandemic. We got a war in Ukraine. There's a lot of international tensions. I think everyone just needs to take a minute, calm down, chill out. Uh, inflation and taxes and stuff. That shouldn't be something worthy. We should be thinking about progress and improvement and, and life getting better. And unfortunately, that's just not the case. And it's, it's a really sad way to start a podcast. Never mind the next fucking new year. I don't want to start my pat podcast like this. So I need happier stories. I need people to s- send me happy stories that I can start my podcast with so I can start with a good mood. With inflation, I mean, this is it. Uh, as much as I want to get away from the negativity and stuff, one of the problems with the news is the news tends to be very attracted to all the problems of the world. So you end up talking about them a lot. With inflation, any drop in prices becomes attractive. That's actually something that's pretty sensible. Uh, retailers have globbed onto this. There's a big sort of supermarket company called Eon. Eon has dropped the prices on 24 items between 3 and 26%, and they're just kind of selling them in bulk, and that's where they make their profit. Sales have increased since the last price drop, which was also 31 items. So basically, they're like, hey, inflation's killing everybody. Let's drop the prices on some things, and people will come and buy those things. Maybe then they'll come and buy our other inflated items as well. It's, again, now I just have to comment that it's sad that we have to be like, hey, you dropped a price by 3%. That's like the best thing that's ever happened in my life right now. This I found this incredibly... Oh my God, this is going to be the worst podcast ever. This is going to be the most depressing podcast I've ever produced because every one of these stories I'm not happy about. Uh, since we're talking about money and pricing and stuff, Coca-Cola has decided to do run a test and have vending machines with dynamic pricing. So the prices are going to change according to demand. So this is like uh, Uber does this. So they have like peak periods. So you have to pay more to get an Uber during peak periods. Um, they're thinking, hey, peak periods, let's charge people more for a Coke or any other drink in the machine. And then if it's off periods, then we'll put it down to, I guess, normal price. It's not going to get cheaper. They're going to have a baseline and they go up from there. I bet they don't go down when demand is very low. They're going to use several thousand machines as a test at first. They currently run 700,000 vending machines in Japan. Their plan is primarily to have it high during the day and low at night. So if you want to get a Coke from a machine, you should actually wait until the evening and go get your Coke then, even if you're going to drink it the next day. Or you could do, I guess you go to Eon, and hopefully they put a 3 to 26% price drop on Coke. I don't know. It just seems this manipulative pricing is part of the, the greed structure. It's not like I should expect anything more from Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola is not a nice company that's doing nice things for the world. Any nice thing they've ever done has been either for media attention or a tax break. There's one very good story about Coca-Cola, and it's how they got malaria. They have this like infrastructure to get Coke everywhere in the world. So in Africa, it's very hard to like get things to certain places in Africa. So what they did is they put malaria medicine up inside the cap of Coke, and then they shipped it all around the country. So then you could just get malaria medicine out of your Coke, which sounded amazing. And I was like, ah, there has to be some kind of like dark kickback for that. Or they were just like sensible enough to go like, if people have malaria, they're not drinking sugar drinks. So we need to keep people healthy enough to buy our products. This was always my problem with the Umbrella Corporation, creating a zombie virus in the Resident Evil games. If you turn the majority of the population into zombies, they're not going to spend a great deal of time buying your beauty products. Uh, 
Like their whole idea is like, oh, we're going to have like a certain, it's, it's a class system. So we're going to have some people and they get superpowers and live forever. And then everyone else will just be a peon underneath them. That's the plan. And it sort of went wrong, but then they kept going. Like every game is they've gone a little further with the experimentation and the virus and stuff. Anyways, I don't think Umbrella Corporation has a good plan. And Coke, with this kind of stuff, actually could be the thing that would push me to stop drinking Coke. Since it's the end of the year, get lots of stats. You're actually going to notice a very stat-heavy episode today. 60% of working adults don't want to go to a New Year's party. So your company often will have a bonankai, which is the end of your party, and then there's one in the New Year where you forget the previous year and all this other stuff. It's just excuses to go drinking. Drinking culture is a very big thing in Japan. Uh, coronavirus stopped people from drinking parties. Uh, and a lot of people in Japan were like, hey... I kind of like not going to drinking parties. Like, my coworkers are fine. That doesn't mean I want to spend every evening with them getting drunk. Maybe I don't even like drinking that much. I don't like getting ripped and then having to go back to work the next day. Yeah, most people are like... I went to like four different Christmas parties. It was a oh, bit much. Man, I went to four different company Christmas parties. It was a bit much. So I work for one company, which is fine. I go to that Christmas party. They actually have a Christmas lunch. The Christmas lunch is a really good idea because it means you go in the afternoon, you have a relatively nice lunch. It was like at a hotel. And then we had drinks with our friends and then you could decide, I'm going to go off and party with my friends. I actually decided to go back home and I went to bed at like five o'clock in the afternoon because I'd drunk too much, but I felt fine the next day, which was a really big thing because I actually had to go to work the next day. Uh, There is also the judo bonankai. So it's a club. So you have... Bonankai's for work, Bonankai's for social activities, Bonankai's for basically any group you might be involved in could have a Bonankai. The judo Bonankai is, is a freaking nightmare uh, because, of course, this is all manly men getting together and they want to outman each other and they want to, I can drink more than you, you can, Rrr. and then unfortunately, I am just as competitive as everyone else. Like, I like to think of myself as, you know, a more a slightly like I'm above that because I'm old and I've passed all this stuff. Like, I don't need to prove myself. But then you put me in that room with those guys and I'm like, well, I can't let you out drink me. I can't let you outdo me. I guess we're going to get the Atsuka, the hot sake, and we're going to see who falls first. And they always do because I just grew up drinking too hard. I'm not proud of it. I actually don't think it's a good thing. Uh, but... At the same time, I do like winning. So anyways, Bonankai, uh, 57.4% of the 559 people surveyed. And you don't need to survey a bunch of people to actually know whether this is true or not. I know just from the general sentiment of the people I know in my life that most people actually don't enjoy going to work events. They don't like to want to, they don't want to go to work Bonankais, especially if it's just like, we're going to go and get drunk and go home. A lot of people don't want to do that. 42.6% definitely would like to participate or somewhat participate. So it's a 60-40 split is what they're saying. So there's 40% of the people really want to do this. They really enjoy the Bonankai, whereas most people don't. I don't have a problem with those other people going. It's just the expectation that everyone has to go or you're being a bummer and you're not having a good time. I don't think that's fair. I'm not a outgoing socialite. This, what I do here on the podcast, is probably the most social thing I do. Like I am in my environment with my dog on my lap, reading the news, saying some dumb shit. That's my element. I don't want to leave my room. Like the door over there stays closed for a reason. (laughs) And I'll play video games in the afternoon. And that personality type, I was reading a thing about work and 
extroverts and introverts, like work culture is not designed to have an introvert succeed. And this is problematic because there are a lot of introverts who are actually very good at working. Uh, like you sit them down at a computer and you give them privacy and they'll do amazing work. Whereas uh, they're talking about like work should be social and you should teamwork. And te- teamwork isn't always the best solution to a problem. Maybe stick that computer nerd in a room and let him do his thing and you'll actually get a really good solution. But work culture isn't designed to accept or promote that as an idea. That only works when the nerds, introverts make their own companies. And even then, once the company gets big enough, it grows into where you need to be an extrovert to survive or succeed. Anyways, the reasons people don't want to go to the Bonenkai, uh, a bunch of people said there's no need. Again, coronavirus made it very clear that a lot of these social things, uh, a lot of these social expectations are unnecessary. We did just fine staying at home at our computers. <laughs> I, I thrived sitting at home in front of my computer. I was in my, my, my space. I was where I needed to be. Uh, they're tired of the social interactions. So again, in less extroverted people, more like, again, it's a sliding scale. I am certainly extroverted at times and introverted at times. It'll go back and forth. Uh, A friend of mine, I'm pretty sure that a lot of people use it, your social battery. So my social battery is very powerful for a very short amount of time. And then I'm done. I would get tired of a lengthy party or a lengthy gathering where I have to be social with other people for a lengthy amount of time. Give me a couple hours. I'm probably really, really good. And then I'm like, hey, guys, it's been two hours. I'm going to go home now, get back in front of my computer, play some video games. A lot of people wanted to prioritize their private life, which I thought was great. So like, you know what? Work, life, balance. I think Ninja New Japan has had an ongoing theme that work-life balance in Japan is just broken and they need to reevaluate and do it. And these people are like, I didn't go out drinking every night with my coworkers. I didn't go to the Bonankai and it was great. And I actually spent time with my family or my girlfriend or my boyfriend or whoever. People I actually like in my social life who I want to spend my time with. And that was good. The final reason listed for not wanting to do Bonankai is the cost. Often you have to pay. Not every company is just paying for everything. So the my company paid for the lunch. We had to pay a couple thousand yen, but it goes into a charity fund. So I, I didn't feel too bad about it. I actually think our company is using that money for an actual charity. So I'm not going to complain about giving 2,000 yen to a charity and drinking for free for a couple hours. I guess I could. Traveling for work kills my battery. Spending a week where every waking moment and every meal happens with a coworker is so draining. That sentence exhausted me a bit. Just because I agree, like traveling is tough. I actually am not a great traveler. Uh, it takes me a long time to like readjust. Whenever I go visit family back in Canada, it takes me like an entire week to really get myself acclimatized, and then it's basically prepping to go back again. But doing that with coworkers would be extra exhausting. I I honestly could not imagine. I would not be successful at a job like that. I don't think. Or I'd be forcing myself to do it all the time. I'd probably burn out really fast, if I'm being honest. So credit to you. You're able to do something that I am not able to do. But this is one of the few benefits of the coronavirus pandemic. is It has proven or shown or demonstrated to people that maybe the way the world was before isn't the way it needs to be going forward. We can make changes. We can reprioritize things. And it has allowed a lot of people to reprioritize their lives. 
There was a romance in marriage survey. The end of the year has a lot of surveys. I am, I'm a little big statistics free. End of year, they do a lot of surveys. So this is a stat-heavy episode, and I love it. I know not everyone loves it, but every that's once a year. Let's indulge me for a minute. <laughs> like, like that's never happened before. Every two years, they do a romance and marriage survey, and they, this time they, it was 1,200 people, and they found that 29.7% have a boyfriend or girlfriend, and 34.1% have never had a boyfriend or girlfriend. The highest since the survey started in 2011. So in 2011, they started doing the survey. Uh, basically, are you in a relationship? They found that number is really up and down. It's actually down. More people are not getting into relationships, kind of for the same stuff we were talking about before with the Bonankai. Work balance, work-life balance does not happen in Japan enough so for you to have enough free time to have relationships. But this is the highest number of people who've never had a relationship. We're not talking about like kids. We're talking people in their 20s, 30s, and 40s. The highest number of people who've never had, and in often cases, have given up on starting a relationship in their life because they're like, it's just too much work now. I just don't care. I've gotten, I've settled into a lifestyle of being by myself, which I'm not necessarily judging. But in Japan, it's a concern because of the low birth rate. So if people aren't having relationships, if we could find out why they're not having relationships, maybe we can encourage them to have relationships. I've said it. I don't know how many times. I kind of feel like I shouldn't say it anymore, like I've said it enough. But people who work till 10, 11 o'clock at night aren't going on dates and on their time off, they're just going to sleep like all day. They're not fucking. And if they're not fucking, they're not making babies. So you need people to get out there and get fucking. You need people to get out there and get fucking a lot so that they actually feel like weirdly obligated to stay with each other, make babies by accident or on purpose. I don't know, but they got to be fucking. And people who are exhausted do not fuck. T-shirt. I should get a, make a T-shirt. People who are exhausted do not fuck. I actually kind of want to make that T-shirt now. Work-life balance is important. And now, see, now immediately, now I'm writing a paragraph instead of just a catchphrase. But yeah. People who are exhausted do not fuck. Uh, 46% of men in their 20s have never had a relationship. 29.8% of women in their 20s have never had a relationship. Jokes on you. Some people are into that. Some people are into being exhausted. I don't know what the delay is on me chatting. I tried to turn it down to as little as possible, so I'm actually not 100% sure which part you're actually saying the joke's on me. People are into exhausted people. People are into being alone. I'm going to give a second for Jade to clarify because I actually do really, really want to know what you what you mean before I move on to the next part. Oh, fucking while exhausted. I... Oh, man. We're going to get into some weird personal stuff if we start talking about this. I have... Oh, Does anyone want to know? I This is the problem with doing a podcast is as soon as a thread is pulled, I just want to, like, yank it. I... Exhausted, no. But I have had post-judo tournaments where, you know, physically exhausted. My testosterone was so high, I really, really wanted to get down. I do remember that. That's quite funny. Uh, one of the things I found funny is there's this really old movie. It's Joan Chen and Rutger Hauer. And it's their, like, post-apocalyptic future gladiators. And I forget the name of the movie, but I remember it was those two. And in that movie they try to have sex, but it's after a gladiatorial battle. 
and they're both too injured to actually do it. So every time they touch each other, they're like, oh, don't touch that. Oh, don't do that. And it was really, really funny. And But it was because I could relate because I had done judo tournaments. And then my girlfriend's like, ooh, you're all like testosterone-y and hot right now. Let's do some stuff. And I'd be like, yeah, let's do it, baby. And then I would try my best. And sometimes it worked. Sometimes it didn't. When it worked, again, testosterone being off the charts, it worked really well. But there was the odd occasion where I'd be like, yeah, sorry, not going to happen today. As the voice of like 25-year-old me who's just been beaten to death over the course of a few hours. <laughs> but yeah, you're, let's face it, I'm not fighting testosterone. If it says we're going to do it, we're going to do it. I had sex with a fever once. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think this is the kind of stuff I should be putting out in the world. Uh, it was around late end of high school, maybe. And I, I must've had a cold and yet I still really wanted to do it. And my girlfriend and I, we did it. And she goes, she was touching me, my back or something. She goes, you're hot. And I'm like, I interpreted it the wrong way. It wasn't until way later. I was like, oh, she didn't mean like you're sexy hot. She meant you're like hot to the touch. I've had that problem a few times. Uh, I went and got a massage and they, put electricity on my shoulders and they run the electricity and they do that. It's supposed to, I guess, loosen up the shoulders or something. And the doctor, or the, not the masseuse comes in and he goes, wow, because you do judo, your number's really high. Like you can take a lot of electricity. And immediately I was like, yeah, cause I'm tough and manly. Like a couple hours later, I was like, he didn't say taking a lot of electricity was a good thing. Uh, he just said, I took a lot of electricity. I interpret it as a good thing. So the problem was like, maybe it's really bad. Maybe all my muscles and nerves and stuff are dead, which is why I can take a lot of electricity. I've had stuff like that happen a few times um, where I thought it was good at first, but then when I thought about it later, I was like, he didn't say it was a good thing. He just said it was a thing. Survey of 1,000 people aged 18 to 25 who joined companies between 2020 and 2023, which is essentially the pandemic period. So all these young people who got jobs during the pandemic How do you feel? And the main question was really, do you want to quit? And 20.4% said, literally, I have always wanted to quit. From day one, I wanted to quit my job. 30.6% said, sometimes I want to quit. So you are now already at 50% of uh, 18 to 25-year-olds who got a job during the pandemic do not want to continue with their job. 59.8% of those people said it was primarily from stress. Uh, 34.8% said the stress comes from their boss and coworkers. All makes perfect sense. Uh, They were talking about how we need to open the lines of communication that were not open before. So the pandemic has changed sort of how everything works. Corona has made interpersonal relationships worse. And the company that did the survey recommended a consultation system and open communication. Now, I work in a Japanese company, and I can tell you that open communication isn't how they generally do work. So this would be a big paradigm shift in how companies work in Japan if they're suddenly talking to brand new employees as if they were people, which is a weird way to say it, but that's actually the case. Uh, Without a certain level, you don't get any respect. You just do as you're told. You just do as you're told is a very common sentiment in a Japanese company. Uh, You do the best of your abilities and you shut up and you go do your thing, especially when you're brand new. But young people now are coming into companies and being like, well, why would I live like that? I don't really see it that way. 
I think maybe working from home also would benefit this because it's like you don't have those stressful coworkers or bosses around. And then when they have to go into the office, they're like, this sucks. I don't want to do this. I don't like this. I would like my life to be better than this. On December 16th, so a few days ago when this is being released, the police, I wouldn't call it a raid. They went and checked on a bunch of host clubs en masse from 7 p.m. They actually checked in one day 350 clubs. This is how the Japanese police do a lot of stuff. They'll do like a mass thing. So you can't like, oh, we'll check a couple and then they'll let all their host clubs know that they're checking. Uh, We're going to look for illegal gambling dens and then they'll like, hey, shut down all the illegal gambling dens that didn't get caught yet. The Japanese police organized it. They did 350 clubs in one afternoon, about 7 p.m., so one evening. Uh, They're trying to make sure that they follow the rules and laws in place. Uh, No minors are in the club. They're starting a real crackdown on host clubs and their predatory practices. Because we've talked about host clubs, I mean, the last like six, seven episodes, which is the last six, seven seven, um, weeks in a row, we had Sugar Baby Riri-chan, and she set this off in a weird way because she was giving all her money to a host club. And then it turned out there was a whole bunch of stories came out of other people who were going to host clubs and they were giving a ton of money to the host clubs and getting ripped off and being put into massive amounts of debt. And then what the hosts do is like, oh, well, if you do this like porn or if you work at this brothel, you can then work off the debt you owe me. And the girls, they've been tricked into essentially thinking they love these hosts who are doing this to multiple women. I mean, no joke. They then end up in this weird situation where they're still trying to get the affection of this man who doesn't love them, just wants to exploit them for money. And so this system has to be broken down. And so that's what the police are doing. Host clubs have promised to stop the credit system from, I think it was April. So basically very soon. But it's like, why do they have a credit system at all? Because what they want to do is actually have the people come buy everything on credit. So it's way too much money. So they can't pay it back. So they can push them into these like sex work things where they get a kickback from the business and the woman is trying to pay off her debt. Uh, I actually kind of hope this works. Host clubs, hostess clubs. It's a very alien thing to me as a Westerner, like the idea of paying someone to talk to you and then them manipulating you. Like if you sit there and think about it for a minute, you know, they're manipulating you. Like you have to know it, but then you still like it. I guess, again, this is comes from being uh, an introvert. I would never pay for someone to talk to me in the first place. I would pay you to go away. I had the last story. And I, again, starting out with so much negativity and all these stats are kind of negative. I thought it would end off instead of a creepy, creepy old man story. I thought it'd be more appropriate to start with a, to finish with a sort of happy story. Paying someone to go away is super harsh. I have on many of occasion had people talking to me and I would think, oh, if I give you a thousand yen right now, would you just leave? Like if I paid you to leave, would you leave? Because I would rather not do this. Again, my social battery is very tuned to very specific things. Conversations I don't want to have, I find exhausting. Like exhausting. Like I actually will go take a nap if people talk to me too for too long about stuff that I don't want to talk about. And I don't blame them. Like I don't think it's their fault. I understand this is a me thing. So often I'll just sit there. I can often my brain just shuts off and goes somewhere else. You can pay me to stop chatting. Don't bother me. No, I actually, again, in this context, I love the chatting. I love the interaction because 
oh no, I just had a realization. I'm in full control. I'm dictating what we talk about. I've chosen the stories. I'm guiding the conversation. You're responding to me. Therefore, I'm fine with it. But what I just said, if you put it in that context, if someone's, I hit my mouse. Uh, If you put it in that context, what they have done is introduced a topic I don't want to talk about and I immediately shut off. (gasps) I'm some kind of weird fucking narcissist. You can only talk about what I want to talk about. Oh shit, I'm a bad person. I'm a host. Oh fuck. (laughs) The host of this show, but at no point in this show am I going to try to drive you into debt. I'm going to end off on a positive story because this actually made me really happy and I don't know why, but I figured... We can drop the tree, creepy, creepy old man story because all the ones this week were exactly the same as all the previous ones we've done weeks past. And we've had a lot of negativity in this episode, so I wanted to end that. Anonymous donations to a city in Saitama of about 100,000 yen each have been dropped into an opinion box four times so far. So there's a box where you're like, I want to give my opinion to the, the government, uh, the local sort of municipal government, the mayor, whatever, uh, like clean up the roads, uh, brighter lights at night, something like that. And someone's just taking 100,000 yen, putting an envelope and putting it in that with a little note. On the outside of the envelope, there's a from section. And this person is putting from various Demon Slayer characters. So the characters in Demon Slayer are giving this city in Saitama 100,000 yen, each time from a different character of the anime, which I find quite funny. There's a note inside that says, please use the money to build a community where children can smile. And then the city said it plans to collect the money into a fund to help build a better community for kids. And I was like that. They're taking the money. The guy said, please use it to make kids happy. And they're like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to take this money, put it in a little fund, and we're going to try to find a way to make kids happy. And that is what life should be.